Hi, this is Frank Muller, and this is Is It Right or Is It Easy? You can connect with us on our website, right-or-easy.com, writereasy.com, or as always, here on Spotify and iTunes. Today's missive is the question of, is there a conflict between faith and science. Let me first, though, today uh, express my gratitude for those who have reached out to me with emails, comments, personal words of encouragement, phone calls, text. I'm, I'm, I'm touched that this uh, weak and feeble effort um, has garnered so much attention from people I have known through the years or people I am meeting for the first time in a digital presence. So thank you all. The question today posits an assumption that faith and science are in conflict. And this musing was stimulated by a question I received some years ago from a university student, and it still resonates to me to this day. He simply posited or suggested that faith and science cannot coexist. Hmm. So I answered in short, I agree. Faith without reason is not a reasonable faith. However, I disagree that faith and science are in conflict. In fact, faith and science are, at least in my view, one in the same as they both pursue the truth recognizing that in any given moment in time, we still do not possess the whole truth. There is more to learn, more to discover. There's always another mystery there. So what becomes important about this is that faith and science are connected. Let me share my view on that. Faith is the journey to discovering the ordered metaphysical truths behind the meaning of existence or creation. Science is the journey to the ordered physical truths of existence. They not only do not contradict, but they in fact, support and reinforce one another as they explore both the creator, that is the nature of the creator, and the created, that is the physical laws, the ordering of the physical creation. Now, it is true, I can see, that there are those out there who claim that a faith in the creator, yet they adhere to defending physical truths that 
appear to conflict with certain passages of Scripture and their interpretations. So, for example, and I have heard this said, and I, I do chuckle I, 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 as politely as I can, um, that there are some people claim that Earth is only five or 6,000 years old. <laughs> it's, I hate to break it to everybody, but that's not true. <laughs> it's clearly not true. And it's not reasonable for anyone to believe that because the Physical existence and what science indicates clearly disputes that. So we'll dive in at some point later on about spiritual exegesis and interpretation of Scripture. Suffice it to say, there are many different writers of Scripture. There are many different writing methods. Uh, allegorical, historical, factual, poetic, musical, a bunch of different styles. So we'll leave that for another day, but there, there's a very, very good answer. So let's first discuss what the history of the church and science actually is, so as not to proffer a premise-based argument whose premise is based upon the weight of evidence that they believe indicates that not only is the church not opposed to science, but in fact, it can clearly be determined that in Western civilization, the Catholic Church built what we know as the scientific community and the university system we enjoy today. It's overwhelmingly true that the source of the Enlightenment scientific method came from the Catholic Church. Uh, as many of you may know, I think that philosophy drives culture. And once a bad or destructive philosophy is introduced, the impact is played out over centuries. Thus, many people today believe certain distortions and false assertions from the past without critically examining their source and their underpinnings. One of those topics may be the distorted history that secularists, notably beginning in the 18th century, began to promulgate in support of certain humanistic and enlightened philosophies. Once again, at the end of the day, we'll, we'll go back through uh, Kant, Nietzsche, and other philosophers in this pre-time and, and frame the shift of philosophical worldviews that, that sprung up through the Enlightenment. But during that Enlightenment was born some of the great half-truths which permeate our culture to this day, and that many accept as wholly true without any skepticism or effort to test the veracity of those assertions. I have linked in um, on the website and in the show notes uh, a University of Notre Dame article that outlines many of these falsehoods uh, about the church and science. In fact, not only are they not opposed, the church can be argued is the epicenter of the scientific community that sprung up since the time of our Lord. The confluence of Enlightenment philosophies with certain Protestant anti-Catholic biases created a backdrop that sought to diminish the standing of the church. And one of the most distorted episodes involves Galileo Galileo. The church did not in fact, stop Galileo's research. It was the patron of it. It paid for it. It sponsored it. It was the center of the scientific community. Uh, 
The epicenter for much of science was the Catholic Church for centuries, and by the way, continues to this day, both at the church and at its universities and schools and its medical and hospital establishments. As the church has always held that faith and reason are not opposed to one another, they lead to one another. What the church opposed with regards to Galileo was his teaching a theory as proven at that time, even though it had not been validated through the peer review process of the scientific method, nor any physical testing of those laws that are being asserted. Now, look, there are many theories. We hear them thrown out today all the time. Scientists always have theories that later turn out to be just flat untrue, just as there are many theories that science through the decades or years or centuries later proves to be true. That is a good thing. It is the source of seeking truth. So, for example, Einstein's general theories of relativity, they were not validated by physical science until long after his death, and some of his theories have only recently been validated within the last five years. Science attaches the word theory in front of a hypothesis because it has not been physically validated, though it may have a theoretical and mathematical proof of its possibility, it must be proven as an ordered physical law. And this is important because we can all postulate theories, hypotheses, speculations, but it's only cold, hard data and science that we can actually observe and test under a variety of inputs whether that is in fact true. The church, like any institution that buys and pays for and sponsors intellectual property, wants to clearly communicate what is speculative and what is hypothetical and what is theoretical and what ultimately is physically true. In the scientific world at that time, most scientists disagreed with Galileo. Of course he was right. There are scientists right now who disagree with one another. One or the other may be right. Both could be wrong. Who knows? It goes through the process. Today, we can see that process in scientific journals and in university boardrooms where we observe the scientific community subjecting theorems to rigorous academic review before ever positing them as a physical truth or law. By the way, this is the same thing for the moral truth. This is the same thing for the truth of our creator. It must be proven. And we'll come to that in a future episode. So like any hypothesis, it formulates. It sometimes takes decades or centuries for science to test and validate those hypotheses. Galileo, in his zeal and his conviction, and his righteous conviction, I suppose, um, he rejected this process and promulgated his theory as fact which once again, of course, we now know is true, but does not excuse the recklessness, nor would we tolerate that today for someone to proffer a theory and then recklessly apply it to 
real human beings as guinea pigs and call that good science. This same process occurs today when we see these sciences bypass peer-reviewed testing protocols to publish their hypothesis as implied facts, usually for publicity, honor, power, or more money for research. This recklessness now permeates marketing as experts or actors in white medical jackets espouse facts without challenge at best in an extremely fine print. It's like the, the multivitamin and the, the, the nutraceutical uh, industries are fraught with just complete nonsense of claims. That's why the FDA says we won't validate any of those because there is no peer-reviewed science to support those attestations. They're taking a small factoid and making us think it's a great physical law. It's simply not true. Galileo was a great Catholic scientist, but that does not give anyone the right to label a hypothesis as truth, nor ignoring our duty to be careful in our influencing of others before the facts are in. It is also certainly true that certain members of the church should have been much more charitable to Galileo and should have sought to patiently try to understand his teachings and why they may be true and to find a ground of getting those out into the public as a sphere of uh, promulgating conversation and dialogue, particularly with other scientists. However, impatience should not be the response by Galileo. And his lack of charity should not have been the response, or, or that should, should not have been the response of some members of the church. These are both errors of a metaphysical kind, goes back to the creator, that relate to matters of spiritual faith. So much of dysfunction occurs not because of cold, hard science, but because of lack of love, morals, virtues, and sacrifice. If Galileo and certain members of the church had simply worked on their souls, I think this could have ended better and differently for all. What should not be lost in this, though, is the fact that Galileo worked for the church. His research was paid for by the church. His sponsor was the church. Last time I checked, my employer retains title to the company's intellectual property. It's theirs, not mine, because they paid me for it. Einstein's theory of light waves being bended in black holes was not peer-reviewed and validated by actual observation until way after his death. And Einstein himself never suggested or ever promulgated them as inerrant truths. This is a great example of his humility and his belief in the two-part process of the scientific inquiry. First, the development of a hypothesis, which can lead to a theory. Second, conducting physical experiences, experiments to prove or disprove that theory. At the heart of this message is a call that science without faith leads to a loss of meaning. 
Faith without science can lead to a loss of reason. Our educational systems must be returned to the teachings of how to know what good is and how to live it and how to explore the created world and discover its ordering laws and principles because it is ordered. And because it is ordered, we must ask why. And because the creator is the why, then we have to understand that creator's ordering. And now we know what is the creator. And he is love and sacrifice and service. And things have meaning. Everything begins to make sense as we deal with the creation, with the creation, as we deal with the creator and how we deal with one another. When we separate the ordered creation of faith and science into faith or science, then we are going against the very order of the creation. And this can only end in inevitable sadness instead of joy, great joy. So it is incumbent upon us, I believe, to seek facts, both that confirm and deny our own reasoning, and to carefully examine the root of things that are often centuries in the past that we accept as somehow an implicit truth, when in fact it may not be true at all. May peace be with us all.